Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message.
Well, how are you, church? You good? You good. It's good to be with you guys as we wrap up a series we've been in over the last five weeks called Heaven. And uh, as we get into today's topic, how many of you by show of hands have ever heard the description of someone that they always have their heads in the clouds? You've heard that description of someone that, how many of you have ever been described that way? Go ahead and raise your hand. It's okay. It's a safe place. Yeah, so we've got a few. We had more at 9.15. I don't know if they just like, you know, they wake up too early because their heads are in the clouds or what. Um, yeah, that's a description of somebody that their, their mind's kind of always somewhere else. Maybe it's just kind of on, on dreams, on other things about life, um, ambitions or whatnot, but, but their head is never present. I think you could make that same argument about our whole next generation maybe, uh, but in a different way than their their, their heads being in the clouds up there. In fact, there's a picture of a college campus. Um, the, the clouds have come from, from the sky down to the phones, you know, and so um, it's easy to see by that picture on a college campus how, how it's easy for us to have our minds somewhere else. And when you put it in a context of like a spiritual environment, um, maybe it would be said this way, that we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly Good. Yeah, some of you know that quote. Uh, maybe your grandma said it to you. You're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Um, that quote was actually um, credited to Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was a Supreme Court justice back at the early part of the last century um, and uh, wasn't known for great theology. Um, but I think that, that his purpose in kind of communicating that you could be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good is that your, your focus is, is on the things that are to come, that you're not paying attention to what's happening right now. Um, this would be descriptive of a person who has a lot of information about heaven, maybe specifically the assurance that you're going to get into heaven and, and that's it. The, the process just kind of ends there. It would be tempting for us in a five-week series on heaven to get all of this information and to just kind of like stop thinking about it once the series goes, because I know that's kind of what we do. We get past the series, we go into a new series, we stop thinking about the old series, we start, about, start thinking about the new series. In fact, when you walk out of here today, tomorrow morning, if your friend, coworker, classmate, neighbor, whatever says, hey, what was church about? You go, oh my gosh, I, don't, I can't remember, you know? And so I know it happens. It happens to me too. By Wednesday, I've completely forgotten what I preached on the previous week. So it's easy for us to just get past that and to think, okay, we're, we got heaven, we got this information, we got it, and we got the assurance that we're getting in, so we're good. A person who is so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good is a person who, who maybe says, well, if that's what I have to look forward to, then, then, um, then why should it matter? Why, why does it matter? Or why should I bother even? when it comes to things of this earth. Things like social justice issues that we talked about in March where we were talking about the things that break God's heart and that we're called to do something about. Maybe we just go, okay, well, I mean, hey, it's bad and, and maybe it's gonna get worse, so, so what's the point? What's the point? Um, maybe it comes to the way that we um, share our faith. You know, last week in, in kind of the wrap-up of the message of things that we won't do when it comes to heaven, we won't be able to share our faith anymore. We won't be able to share the good news of Jesus anymore. But, but hey, if, if everybody's got kind of an eternal destination and, and God influences that in some way, then, then uh, what's the point? Why, why bother? Uh, or maybe it comes down to just like your own personal growth spiritually. You know, how many people do you know, they, they prayed a prayer, they walked an aisle, maybe they got baptized, and, and that was about all of the evidence that, that, um, that was in their life of some kind of transformation where they trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. I mean, I don't think this is a new thing. I think it's a, in fact, I think it's centuries old. In fact, Paul writes about in, in Corinthians that when it comes to followers of Jesus, there's going to be a judgment on followers of Jesus. 
And some people are going to be judged in a way that they barely escape the fire. That's Paul's language, not my language. And he says there are going to be people that barely escape the fire. And essentially, they, they prayed a prayer where they confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life, but they never built upon that foundation in their life. So they have nothing to show for that, nothing that God can even reward when it comes to that. And so, so you kind of you, you see exactly what, what that phrase captures. We're so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. And our prayer for you as we wrap up this series is that you would be so heavenly-minded that you're earthly good that you would be so heavenly-minded that you're actually earthly good. And we're going to talk about what that would look like to be heavenly-minded so that we can be earthly good. But first, we asked some of the kids in our church what it would look like to be earthly good based on what they thought heaven was like, and this is what we discovered. Let's take a look. It's probably going to be have lots of money and just share with everyone with it because they might not have any money so I could just share with them. Have God on earth. Having a very great life and doing those things. <laughs> that there was no pain and no suffering and no killing. Man, let's give it up for those kids. Let's give it up for Jonathan Vincent in our church with Life Documented, who helped us out with that series. Uh, how many of you got Jesus juked on that first answer? You're like, ah, riches in heaven. Oh, to help other people. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were thinking the same thing. You were thinking the same thing at first. You got Jesus juked. Yeah, and, and maybe your response is maybe like that last time. I was just like, I can't think of anything. Today we're going to talk about. Today we're going to talk about how we can be heavenly minded so that we can see earthly good. And we're going to do that with the help of scripture. That's always where we turn for help. And so I want to invite you, if you brought your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you're not too familiar with it. It's in the New Testament of the Bible. Uh, it's written by this guy named Paul. We talk about Paul a lot because he wrote the majority of the New Testament of the Bible. And, um, and he wrote the majority of the New Testament of the Bible because he helped start a lot of the first churches. And he either did that directly or indirectly. And then he would write back to these churches. And before you think like, well, you know, man, this Paul guy, he sounds awesome. Well, before he had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, he was actually not a church planner. He was a church persecutor. He persecuted Christians. Then he experienced the resurrected Jesus. His life was radically changed, and he became a church planter. And he writes back under the inspiration of God's Spirit in his life about how they can, people can understand God better and then practice what it means to be a follower of God better. And so he's writing about that in Colossians chapter 3, where he actually instructs us to be heavenly-minded for earthly good. He instructs us to be heavenly-minded for earthly good. And so we want to take a look at that instruction. It's going to come in verse 2, and so we'll have those words on, on the screen. But I want to read you the verse leading up to it to give us context, and then the verses that come after that so that we can see not only that we're supposed to be heavenly-minded, but how we can be heavenly-minded. So let's take a look at what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. And so, in other words, if you have trusted in Jesus, the resurrected Christ, as Lord and Savior of your life, you have the promise 
of being resurrected with him. That's where we started the conversation five weeks ago. Where we started is kind of how we end it. If you have this resurrection with Jesus, then you are to put your mind on things above. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, wow, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the Creator. And so I want to pause right there in verse 10. This is why it is important to think about things that are above, to think about heavenly things, because your life is transformed not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Being a Christ follower is not about behavior modification. It's about having a renewed mind. That's why the word repent that we use and has culturally meant, hey, turn away from your sin. It actually means it's an original context. Change your thinking. Make a U-turn in your thinking. And so stop thinking that you are in control of your life and give Jesus control of your life. That repentance, that change in your mind, then leads to a change in your life and in your practice. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, when Paul writes, Hey, don't be conformed to the patterns of the world. In other words, you're not supposed to look like the rest of the world if you're in Christ, but be transformed by the renewal of your what? Mind. So that you would know God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for your life. It's all something that comes back here. So we set our minds, our thinking on the things above. And when we do that, then we will start to experience heaven on earth in a way that we are earthly good. So in fact, it's, it's a way that we are created in the image of our creator. We, we are recreated in the image of our creator. Here, here this is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarians, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, like what you're going to become when you do this is not earthly terms or earthly designations or even kind of like an ethnicity uh, or a race. It's something completely different, and that is that you take on the image and the likeness of God who is above all of that. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. <sighs> okay. I need to work out more. All right. So there's a lot there. The one verse is the instruction. Keep your mind on things above. 
Keep your mind on things above, not things on the earth. When we keep our minds on things above, we will start to take on the shape of Christ. We will be earthly good for people. How do we keep our minds on things above? I want to share with you three ways to keep your minds on things above, to keep your heavenly mindedness beyond this series. The first is to abide with the king. We talked about heaven and what makes heaven heaven is that Jesus resides there and he reigns there. Jesus is king, fully king. He fully resides there and he fully reigns there. And so we're called to abide with the king. If we want to keep our heavenly mindedness beyond this series and into the future and into the now, then we need to abide with the king. Um, when Jesus talked about what it meant to be a Christ follower, he, he spent more time talking about abiding and living and dwelling with him than anything else. He wanted people just to, to be with him and, and for him to be with them. And by the way, God lets us decide how much we let him abide with us and how, we, how much we abide with him. I, I love the, the terminology here in chapter 3 of Colossians where... where um, where Paul talks about putting on. He talks about putting off and he talks about putting on. And, and kind of the connotation is that we would put on, on clothes, that there would be new clothing for us. And I, and I love this because I think that this actually captures like the context of this, this word abide, live in, dwell in. Because when we think about like, well, how, how do we do that? What does that look like? It's just like putting on clothes. Um, I don't know what you wear when you go to bed. And, and that's probably a, a conversation in a place we don't want to go to in church on, on a Sunday morning, right? But what I know about most of us is that if clothing is involved, that when you wake up, there, there's probably maybe a shower or some putting off of old. If you put off on old, it's usually good to do that before you take the shower. Um, and then when you get out of the shower, here's what I know. Most of you are probably going to show up tomorrow morning at school or at work with new clothes on, okay? If that wasn't your plan, let that be the most helpful thing that you received at church today, okay? Okay. <laughs> This is our routine. This is what we do day in, day out. And when it comes to abiding in Christ, maybe it's just as easy as remembering to put on the new clothing of Christ. It's to just say, as you're, you're taking off the old, hey, I'm putting off the old and I'm putting on the new. And so, Jesus, I want to abide in you today. Wherever I go, whatever I do, I want you to be on me and I want to be in you. That's what it means to abide in Christ. Now, there are some things that we can do to help clothe ourselves. One of those is to let the Word of God dwell in us richly. Did you pick up on that? Let the Word of God dwell in you. So when we engage in the pages of Scripture, we see, we see the heart of God. When we engage in the four gospel stories which tell us about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, we're getting acquainted with Jesus we're spending time with Jesus. And so the more you spend time with Jesus, the more you're going to think about Jesus who fully resides and reigns in heaven. It's the same way in life. If you want to think about a person or a thing, spend time with that person or a thing. This is true. Whatever you spend time with, you will think about. I know this because I have kids and my kids are playing Fortnite like crazy. Yeah, some people are like, glory. You know, like preach it. Yeah, they, they, they spend time with their friends on Xbox Live or on their phone. They're connected with people. And then they play this game called Fortnite. Now, if you don't know what Fortnite is, this is just a struggle that some of us parents of younger kids are dealing with, okay? My kids think about Fortnite all the time. Why? 
because they spend time with Fortnite and with friends playing Fortnite. What you spend time with, you will think about. Who you spend time with, you will think about. Any of you who have ever been in a relationship, you know this to be true. And so when you start to spend time with a person, you think about that person more. It's what happens. And so when every day you wake up with a mindset, hey, I'm taking off the old, I'm putting on the new, and the new is Christ. Jesus, I want to be in you, and I want to be surrounded by you, I want to be enveloped by you. That's what it means to be with Christ, to abide in him. It's in every moment where you're engaged in acquainting yourself with the life of Jesus. And when you do that, you will think about him. When you do that, you will think about him. Not only are we called to to have heavenly mindedness through abiding with him, we're called to have heavenly mindedness by obeying him. And so we abide with the king if you're taking notes, and we obey the king if you're taking notes. That's the second thing. We obey the king. Um, Paul writes something interesting in Philippians about heaven. He says that when you're in Christ, he uses a new terminology. He says, you have citizenship now in heaven. In other words, your original place of, of belonging is, is no longer that. You now have a different place of belonging. You belong somewhere else, and you belong to heaven. And so you have citizenship in heaven. And with citizenship, there means that there are certain rules and there are certain commands and certain laws that govern that area of citizenship. And so we have laws in, in citizenship in this community, in our state, and then in our nation. And the same thing is true of God. When you trust Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you have citizenship in heaven. And so you are under a new set of rules and regulations and, and guidelines. So we are called to then live under that. And some of you, you might be freaking out and you're like, ah, oh, this is why I didn't want to come to church because I didn't want to be given like a list of things that I have to do or a list of things that I can't do. Although I would like to point out that Paul 2,000 years ago wrote, hey, put off some of these old things and put on some of these new things. When you put on these new things, this is the life of Christ. And so there are some things that, that are involved in the Christ follower's life where we put them off, where we don't do certain things, where we do do certain things. But those things aren't what defines us as people. Our identity defines us as people. We, we are citizens of heaven, and so we operate under new rules. And just so you don't freak out, Jesus, when he came, who was the embodiment of heaven, he says at one point to, to the Jewish God followers who had a bunch of rules, 613 rules that they had to follow, he said, hey, any of you who are tired, you're burdened, you're weary, you're having a hard time living up to this rule list of things you can and can't do, come to me, and I'll give you rest. And some of you are thinking, I, th I thought he meant, like, hey, if you didn't get enough sleep last night, you're supposed to come to Jesus now. Like, the context is, if you are tired of following rules, doing this and don't do that, come to me. I will give you rest. And then he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What in the world is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about an egg yoke? Is he talking about a yoke? That was a term that was used for teachers of the law to explain their interpretation of the law. And so Jesus, who says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, says that he's got a new interpretation of the law. And he says that that new interpretation of the law, it's easy and it's light. In fact, when he's asked by a lawyer, like, what's the most important law? He says, the most important law is this. Love God, love others. Love yourself. Love God, love others, love yourself. 
He says all the commandments, all of the rules that exist in the economy and in the governance of God exist on these three things. They hang on these three things. Love God, love others, love yourself. You got that? 915 was joining me when I was saying that. Love God, love others, love yourself. I mean, I'll give you half credit because I had to prompt you there. 915 didn't have to prompt. They got it, all right? He said it's easy. It's light. It's just you love God with everything that you've got, heart, soul, mind, and strength. You love others as you love yourself, so you have to love yourself. You cannot love God if you don't understand that heaven's been made available to you in Jesus. It's not possible for us to love God. We love because God first loved us. It's not possible to love another person unless you love yourself. And how do you love yourself? Well, you see yourself in the way that God sees you. Listen, if you are a citizen of heaven, that means that not only do you belong to a place, you actually belong to a person. You belong to a place because you belong to the person. And, and before you think, well, I didn't know that I belonged to a person. Yeah, well, if you've trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, the Bible says that you've been bought with the price of Jesus' life. If you would ever sing a song or say that you've been redeemed, that word redeemed means bought back. What sin had you enslaved to, Jesus bought you back from. You belong to Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus, God sees you just as he sees Jesus. He sees you as an adopted son or daughter of him, completely enveloped in his righteousness. You belong to a new family. That means you have a new place. It means that you have new rules, new regulations. And this is easy. It's lights to love God Love others as you love yourself because you have been bought. You belong to the creator of the universe who created your life. You have value. You have worth. And when you know value and worth, then what do you do? You love other people as you love yourself. Have you ever noticed people tend to treat others how they treat themselves? Hurt people hurt people. Loved people love people. You can't know that you're loved outside of a heavenly-mindedness where you're focused on Jesus, then you have the capacity to love him, love others as you love yourself. The final way that we have heavenly-mindedness, after we abide with Christ or with the king, obey the king, is to advance the kingdom. We advance God's agenda. We advance his reign, his rule in the world. Um, that passage in Philippians where Paul was writing about our citizenship in heaven, he says, because we have citizenship in heaven, we actually await our Lord Jesus Christ. We await. That word await, it's a funny word. In the Greek, it sounds like appendectomy, uh, which is not anything that you want to wait for. And it's actually the opposite of that. Uh, it's appendectomy, and um, it actually has this like, connotation that there's this passionate preparation Passionate preparation would be a good way to define waiting eagerly the arrival of Jesus. It's the same way that when you have a guest showing up at your house, you prepare your house. You prepare your person, meaning that you get ready for their appearing. And then you're attentive and you are alert to their arrival. Um, Y'all know that about a year and a half ago, we moved to some property. And so our house sits off the road. And it's a little intimidating um, because we don't necessarily know when people are coming down our driveway. So we got this like secret um, like sensor hidden in our woods, so none of y'all know where it is, and, um, and, and when a car or an animal at 4 a.m., you know, comes down the driveway, we know that it, some, something or someone is there, and so 
we, we walk out of our door when people drive up and they're like, how'd you know we we're here? And we're like, it's magic. Anyway, you know, so like, so we're, we're alert, you know, we're, we're alert. And, and when it comes to advancing the kingdom, we need to ask God, because we're heavenly minded, we need to ask God to make us alert to where God is on the move. That's what it means when it comes to the kingdom of God is advancing. In fact, Jesus described it this way. He says, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. That doesn't mean that the kingdom of God is advancing with force, meaning that we like, you know, slaughter people like what has happened in Christian history. It means that there is deliberate advancement. The kingdom of God is moving. It is advancing. Jesus is on the move at all times. And we are heavenly minded asking the spirit to give us attention to where Jesus is on the move. And when we are alerted that Jesus is on the move, we go and we greet Jesus. And we actually participate in what Jesus is doing. So what does this look like? In your life, when you're heavenly minded and you say, hey God, wherever you're on the move, I want to be alert. Holy Spirit, wherever you want me to, to go, or Jesus, wherever you are, I want to go. When you get that alert, then you respond in obedience. When you go to school, when you go to work, when you go to your neighborhood, wherever you are, in that moment, in that environment, you say, hey, God, this is not about me. This is about you. Where are you on the move in this moment? And where you are, that's where I want to be. Be alert, and you go and you greet, and you participate. The kingdom of God is advancing forcefully. Forceful men and women take hold of it. They participate in it. They're alerted, and they go. They meet with Jesus and they move with Jesus. What does that look like corporately? Maybe um, you say, hey, I think Jesus is on the move at the vine. You know, uh, we've got Discover the Vine. We've got membership at the vine. We've got Serve Expos. And you go, hey, Jesus is on the move. I want to go where Jesus is. I want to meet with Jesus. The VSSM, I want to, uh, Jesus is on the move. VSSM, I want to apply for VSSM. You just, wherever you see Jesus on the move at the vine, you go, hey, I want to press into this. Because the kingdom of God is advancing forcefully. And forceful men and women, they take hold of it, Jesus says, Matthew 11. What does that look like for our church? So what that looks like for our church is that we pay attention to what God's doing in our community, in our region, in our world. And we go, hey, Jesus, wherever you're on the move, we want to be on the move. We want to meet you and we want to move with you. And so Jesus is on the move with the ISERV feeding um, those of lower incomes in our community. Jesus, we want to be on the move with you. And so we're going to partner with you. Hey, Jesus, you're on the move with, with modern day orphans and foster care. So we want to move with you. We're going to partner with you. Regionally, we're in the, in, Jesus, you're on the move in Mozambique. Jesus, you're on the move in Nicaragua. Jesus, you're on the move in the 1040 window. We, we want to meet you where you are, and we want to take hold of what you're doing because we're so heavenly minded that we're earthly good. And we're earthly good. You know what I think Paul was afraid of? It's not that we would be so heavenly minded that we would be no earthly good. I think he was worried that as Christ followers, we would get so earthly minded that we would be no heavenly good. And I think that's probably a pretty good description of most Christ followers today, most churches today. And I don't want to be that kind of Christ follower, and I don't want to be that kind of church. I want to be so heavenly minded that I'm earthly good. I want to put off earthly mindedness so I could be heavenly good. And I can say, God... Wherever you want to advance in my life, I want to go. Wherever you want to advance in this church, I want to go. Wherever you want to advance through this church and through this world, I want to go. And you're invited to go as well. Let us be people who are so 
heavenly minded that we're earthly good. Fullness of eternal promise Stirring in your sons and daughters Earth revealing heaven's wonders Spirit come, Spirit come Let's see what you spoke what you spoke is now unfolding. And all your people shall be holding. Your dreams awake in this morning. Spirit come, oh Spirit come. Sing, pour it out. Pour it out. Let your love run.
Let your glory 